What up? Hello. What up, everybody? What's up? Hope everyone's feeling good. I am uh, feeling pretty much better than I was like an hour ago. This is the Kings of Punk podcast. Tyler Hammer. I'm your host. Uh, my other host, Jake Razor. My other host, Tim, aka Gary Goes Bombs. Hey. I have realized I cannot eat as much sugar or maybe carbs, maybe gluten. I don't know. I don't know about the gluten thing. It always seemed a little fake to me, but I will say about a year ago, I reached the, it was last summer because ice cream is what caused this. I reached the conclusion that if I eat a bunch of sweets, sugar, I've complained about this a lot, so it's probably come up on the podcast, but uh, it will not only, it won't just make me like groggy. Like if I eat a fucking ice cream cone, I like physically have to take a nap. Dude, yeah, I felt like I had to take a fucking nap, and it's like, I had like three cookies. Other other carbs, for me, are fine. I can eat rice, p- eat pasta, whatever. That might make me a little, uh, little uh, logy, as they say, but uh, not like with the fucking processed sugar, dude. That's like a whole, I gotta lay down when I do that. So, it's been affecting might, my food choices. Might have to cut that shit out of my diet, you know? I did have some rice pudding the other day, though, at, um, where the fuck did I eat it? Oh, it's seasoned, not at Costa's. I almost got no. it at Costa's. I was in Buffalo over the weekend with my girlfriend having a little vacation. And, uh, yeah, seasoned in Buffalo, S-Z-N-D, if you want some nice, somewhat more expensive food, but with good portions, that is a excellent place. I had a great weekend. I was in Houston visiting my sister before that and uh, came back for a day to play with Ringworm, which was great. And it was like this morning, I thought I was depressed and then I realized I, I'm just relaxed and I'm so not used to not being stressed out and feeling relaxed. It was like, something's missing. What's missing? I was like, oh, it's the stress. And uh, I'm excited to get back to the stress. I'm addicted to it. I like it on some level, but it's I feel at ease presently, which is good. Yeah, that's, uh, that's good. Good to hear, man. I had a good experience, too. I went, um, we went to the Niagara Aquarium in Niagara Falls, New York, a place that some of you may be familiar with. Jeez, uh, the aquarium's pretty cool. It's small. It's shabbier than I remember when I was a kid. I'm sure they get zero municipal funding because, as far as I can tell, there is not a municipal government in in Niagara Falls, New York. That is, and, and I say this, it's not even a contest, and I'm someone who lives in western New York and has been around Ohio, around the Rust Belt. That is the most dilapidated, clearly forgotten, left-behind place I've ever seen in my fucking life. Bombed out and depleted. It is oh, man. fucked, dude. It's sad. When, I want to help them. I'm going to research I think they got like, a lot of drug problems out there, too. I, I can mean, fucking tell, yeah. Go figure. When when the Limp Biscuit show got canceled that was going to be there, the, the local economy tanked. Like, really took a fucking <laughs> hit. I'm sure. It probably did, for real. Yeah, they we were, were really was, looking I mean, forward to this. Yeah, dude, it's like when you stand on the American side and look at the Canadian side, it's like a old communist cartoon of the haves and the have-nots. It's like the Soviets <laughs> would show the tanks rolling from the one side direct the other side. But I will recommend, if you want a magical experience, drive around there listening to uh, Arise by Amoebics. It's like the perfect soundtrack because that's the darkest, most, like, wasteland Either. soundtrack record ever and when the sun started going down i was like this is intense it's a little scary i'm gonna leave that uh, is definitely i i have heard that that's like do not be hanging out around there when like the sun isn't out i could tell that that would be a bad idea we also stopped in at a uh an adult store there and uh 
as soon as we walked in, it smelled bad. And the guy behind the counter who seemed to not be all there was like, sorry about the smell. The sub pump broke, which is a great thing to hear in a porno store. Um, the yeah. sub pump that sucks all the cum. It broke. It's jammed with oh, cum. Oh, you should have seen the reviews for that place online and stuff and the stuff they wrote for themselves. Uh, there's One of the arcades is, quote, open for play, which I think means you can go in there with a guest. It's uh, Yikes, yeah. Sounds dirty. But I had to I had to stop by. I wanted Buddy, to see. I'm just trying to play the Axeman game. <laughs> yeah, where's the Street Fighter? Well, we got a, a jam-packed episode today. Uh, before we, we get into that, I think... Maybe we should do a little plugs on the top. Um, yeah, we got big there. news. It's uh, CJ's birthday. CJ's birthday. The other, it was yesterday. Um, Label boss over at Shirley Road Records. Well, you're hearing this on Friday, so it uh, it was on uh, Sunday. So uh, happy birthday to CJ. Um, but I'm talking about. Uh, so with us, more big you can news. visit kingsofpunk.com. That's our website. Um, be more if you want news on what's going on, I'd implore you to visit. Our Instagram at Cop Pod Official. That's K O P P O D Official. Uh, Jake runs that. If you want to see me uh, tweet, you can go to at Kings of Punk Podcast on Twitter. I think it's just Kings of Punk Pod. Unless Kings you change it, but some one of those things. And I'm on there. And uh, Tim, hey, guess what? Don't bother him. He's nowhere. Uh, no uh, social media presence here. We're on YouTube as well. I've been busy and then on vacation, so I have not been active on there enough. But go subscribe, because for one thing, there's going to be some playlists on there relevant to our March Madness series. Uh, yes. As is... March Mayhem series. Excuse me, I misspoke. That's not against the, the copyright... We'll bloop that the, one. Yeah. The intellectual properties. Uh, it is relevant as is this episode that we are about to present to you we're doing a little introductory kind of kind of deal here for those it's probably not that many of you but those of you who may be totally unfamiliar with this uh, what's this pus zone pus zone top 100 of the 80s what are these well, guys doing what what's pus yeah what is the pus all about well you uh, might be aware of pus head the man behind pus zone he uh, is a man of many talents, as uh, some would say, a skateboarder, a vocalist, a graphic designer. A music critic. A music critic, a label owner. Illustrator, uh, cur- curator, curator as well. Some the, would, the greatest Metallica roadie who ever lived. Someone maybe in today's day and age, he absolutely would be considered an influencer. And uh, back then, to be one... You had to put in a lot more fucking work than just making little videos on TikTok. It's insane. I mean, doing a little bit of research for this episode, I this dude was more prolific than I even realized, yes. honestly. And we'll we'll get to some of that. But uh, Pusshead, his real name Brian Schroeder, from Iowa, Boise, no, Idaho, Boise, Boise Idaho, Boise, Idaho. Oh, little big worse. difference there. Maybe worse. Uh, singer of the band. Um, Septic Death. Don't know why I forgot about that. Uh, you probably are aware of that band. Um, important. Well, maybe not important. I, I don't know. Hard to say. Influential the, crossover band. Crossover, band. and and I, I I think a lot of critics point to them as particularly influential on like grindcore, noisecore, speedcore, the super yeah. fast stuff because they were crazy fast for the time. I would and say very uh, manic and noisy sounding. Similarly, uh, in this similar vein to like maybe a siege. 
Yeah, definitely. You know, a band, Siege, a band highlighted on some of the compilations that Puss yep. had himself put out on his Puss Mort record label. Yep. Do you want to, let's go in order of sort of uh, his, well, actually, you know what? I'm sorry, this is unprofessional, but okay. just real quick, since you mentioned his real name, some biographical info real quick before sure. we get into the work. Because I, I read a fanzine interview where, where he talked about this stuff. He's kind of an enigmatic guy. I had to dig a little bit. But he was born in Boise. He then moved, I, I believe, like shortly after graduating high school to Southern California. Mm-hmm. or I think around the L.A. area or possibly San Diego. Might have moved around a little bit. But he went there to pursue skateboarding. Uh-huh, um, he yeah. was already an illustrator. He had won like art competitions in high school. He won competitions designing skateboards in California. Could not find any of his real early artwork. But he ended up being broke in California, so he moved back to Boise where his family was. And I think around that time, early 80s, 1981, Septic Death started. So, yeah, let's start with Septic Death. Let's start with the, the music here. We'll, I'm thinking we go from that to Plus Mort Records bit of the writing and then really i think his biggest impact was made with his visual art so perhaps we'll cover mm-hmm. that last yeah oh for sure um septic death i remember hearing about them probably like nine or eight nine ten years ago who knows i'm at the point where i can now say a decade ago you know in my life yeah which is really kind of fucked up it's a Feel- milestone feels good i've feels been good, i've been yeah. flexing with it a little i have been too uh and uh what's the um I think I probably listened to like um, uh, Tension, the one LP with the Skull Girl on the cover, with all the green on it. If I remember, can remember correctly, or the discography that was online, Cross Out Twice. That's what I had. I got it yeah. off of uh, Soul Seek, which is how you know this yep. was a decade ago. Oh yes, uh, definitely a blog spot kind of band you'd find. You yeah. know, them mixed in with a bunch of other rare shit you've never heard of before. And, yeah, that, that shit fucking, that one LP in, in particular, I don't know, I don't really, I'm not super familiar, like, I know a lot of their songs, like, their, what their songs are like, but, like, I don't really know how that band progressed as a band. Like, I know they have an LP, I know they have some, like, records and stuff like that. They have, like, an LP from, like, the early 90s, too. Yeah, oh, really? yeah, Return yeah. to Uzabuzo, or theme from Uzabuzo. Yeah, the, well, they have that, uh, now that I have the attention, what do I yes. do with it? That's an LP from 86. 86, the, yeah. The one you're talking about is, with a similar cover, but it's green, is the Need So Much Attention okay. uh, EP from 1984. They have a live EP from 85 that I didn't know about till I started looking at this. They have a lot of records. There's that. There's a, another EP, Burial from 87. The Kichi Guy EP from 88. Mm-hmm. Those are great. Uh, as well as uh, some unofficial or semi-official like singles and flexies and stuff. He would... He was... I, I specifically read about... There were two flexies he put out in conjunction with... Uh, you guys might remember their names. I don't. The guys who started Earache. He was pen pals with oh them. yeah i um, think he did like a um it was like a six-way split with like that band i think hyrax was on it yes and yes. the execute as well was yep, on it yep, digby. Uh, that was one digby, concrete digby socks i want to say too that was it yep yep yeah. yep and uh digby pearson uh who is the uh the main made head honcho i would say over at earache uh that's interesting he collaborated he he had his and you'll just find out as we go over this. He had his uh, Puss had had his fingers in a lot of fucking places. a lot of different pie. 
More so than almost anyone from the hardcore scene back then. I mean, the only other people I can think of, I guess Tesco Vey from Meat Men would be in a similar category. Um, or Jello. Jello. With alternative yeah. tentacles. That was definitely. I would. Yeah. You could put um, uh, Discord. Yeah, maybe? for for sure. I mean, I guess I, the the one. I don't act- really know too much about Discord in terms of like their fu- like their actual like full output. Um, but I could. I mean, they did a lot. You know, the little shit. I mean, so. that's that's one sort of theme I've gotten from learning about 80s hardcore is everyone had to do everything. It's still like that now, but you, you have the computers and it makes it easier. But this dude with the visual art on top of everything else, he was really doing a lot. But yeah, there's there's it, parsing the septic death discography, as you alluded to, is a bit of a challenge because of these comp appearances and flexies and singles and EPs. But really the ones that people mostly know would be that need so much attention EP and then the Now That I Have the Attention LP, both on, and we'll talk about this again later, his own label, uh, plus that label, plus more distracted. Somewhat consistent lineup. In fact, yeah, based on Discogs, it was Pusshead, guy named John Taylor, Mike Matlock, and Paul Birnbaum. And I read it, some interviews with them. They that had was, another. Yeah. They had like another bass. I don't know if he's probably not listed. They had another bass player. Um, I forgot. I don't know how often they changed. They're uh, recently within like a year or so. This is during the pan, the beginning of the pandemic, I think. Um, a footage of of septic death playing like was unearthed and i pretty sure that's like the only footage i've ever seen of uh, of septic death mysterious band 86 i believe playing at the farm in san francisco classic punk venue from that time where discharge got a bunch of trash thrown on them in uh, the same year and um What's uh, who's a guy from the lead singer Metallica? It's Hetfield, right? Hetfield, yeah. Hetfield introduces them, and they talk. And uh, on that at that show, he mentions uh, Pusshead is talking about how like they have they're playing with like two bass players at that show. Yeah, around that same time, Pusshead and one of the guys from Septic Death. I think this is when they became. They were sort of one of those bands that were sporadically active, mm-hmm. especially later on. But he had moved to San Francisco, which is how he made friends with and saw Slayer and Metallica, which that those two forces colliding really changed subculture and uh, underground art forever, probably. Oh, yeah. But uh, the band started, it based on everything I could read, it was not something they were taking super seriously. They started in 1981, which is early, and uh, they just wanted to have fun with it, nothing to do in Boise. And, yeah, being uh, like 18, 19. 
And I, I think, know. yeah, and I think that was the same factor. Being young and stuck in a place with nothing going on is part of the reason why Puss had started reaching out to all these hardcore bands and people from all around the world. He which was harder to do back then. He'd write letters, you know, get a fanzine, hear about a band, you get their record, you get an address, you write them a letter, he would mail them artwork samples, he would tell them what they thought of their stuff. And he made a lot of friends all over the world really quickly by doing this and by having artwork that was impressive. In terms of Septic Death's music, I think that diversity of sounds that he was getting, you know, instead of just being a guy who had heard Black Flag and Minor Threat and Sex Pistols, really did a lot to contribute to the real wild sound that they had because it was much more abrasive. You could hear the influence from, uh, I know he had befriended Tervit Cadet from Finland. And if you've heard mm-hmm. that band and you hear Septic Death, I think that's probably one of the biggest influences you can hear on them is that band. Yeah, I, I can imagine that, especially on his vocals. Um, yeah, it's not like, especially hearing a band like that from Boise. Like, if you heard a band that's like, does Swedish death metal from like Detroit, it's like, nowadays it's like, that's just the thing you do. You know? Yeah. If, it's like, okay. We're gonna we're gonna play metalcore, aka Swedish death metal. Blah, 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 you know, um, we got to do another episode of that because I don't understand what you what you mean. But I think I made a I made a status the other day on Facebook. Where I was like, it's incredible that uh, the the marketing behind uh, the bands that play Swedish death metal is like Tombed, At the Gates, Dismember, um, In Flames, into you know saying that they were Swedish death metal when they were, in fact, metalcore. This whole time. This whole well, what's time. What's metalcore? Because I thought that was, like, Winds of Pain or what? Or Winds of... Winds of Plague. That's winds like of deathcore. Plague. I think that's like that, black and deathcore. I think that I think metalcore is deathcore. I think that that's the same thing in my mind. Yeah, you know just what? Lump, it's it's they're, more divert, divisive. When I, when I imagine metalcore, I just imagine, like, what, basically what scene kids listen to, and I'm going to keep thinking that. Yeah, I think it's a lot called, of people uh, think that. His and blood it's, runs black. Look it's that it's a lot. It's yeah. a lot deeper than they think, and um, really, it all started in Sweden with a little band called Entomb. Like his integrity in metalcore, almost. Then? Yes, I don't think but, that's well, right. Well, I think because well, well, that take, sounds like take, a Swedish death metal band. Let's break up metalcore, metal, and then core. Well, what's core from stand from hardcore, metal, hardcore, metallic, hardcore, and if you call integrity metallic hardcore and not also think that metalcore is like not just literally the same word i don't know i'm not going to call any it's, band i like metalcore because it feels I would say gross it's in like, my brain they it's are no it is no diff it is no different than when you talk to your coworkers about punk music and you're talk you would probably say like i don't know anything that is is before 1992 and they think anything they think Green Day and Blink One Eighty Two, you know, it's like that. It's like a genre changes and evolves over time. That makes and sense. Yeah. I think it's also just funny uh, taking the piss out on Swedish death metal because um, I find some of it for very not being boring. good. Um, I mean, it's not bad. 
but I think that stuff is great. But I, you guys have heard more of it than I have. Yes. I've like only listened to records that are confirmed. We're good. also I think like, it, we're it's also a, sick and twisted. It's also you know I think it's probably just hard for me to relate more to you know Euros than that's like that's say, compared to true. you know we all know somebody who's like Glenn Benton in our lives. Oh, absolutely. That's why I don't. Or we know to it. we know someone. I do know those people. Yeah, <laughs> we know someone from Buffalo. You know, just we, like uh, we know, a yeah, like, uh, car factory worker. We all know it. We all know a corpse grinder or a Chris Barnes in our lives. Uh, again, exactly. Not selling me on it. But uh, <laughs> to get a little bit back on topic, regarding Pusshead's musical influences, I found some interesting stuff in old fanzines about okay. this. There's, uh, We'll start with an earlier one from, it's uh, I believe, a 1982 issue of Touch and Go, Tesco, Vey uh, of Meat Men, mm-hmm. his zine. He asked Pusshead what his favorite bands at that time were. And uh, he was naturally focused mainly on hardcore at the time. He named... Discharge, Gangrene, SSD Control, Minor Threat, Turvit Cadet, Neos, Rudimentary Peni, Seven Seconds, Disorder, Necros, Misfits, The Faith, Meat Men, Double O, Adrenaline OD, Tar Babies, Destructors, uh, can't pronounce it, so I'm going to say Head Cleaners, and the UK Subhumans, almost all of which are bands we'll uh, cover in yes. March Mayhem, with the exception of the Tar Baby and Double O Double O and the Destructors say, Destructors weren't on there although he drew some sick artwork for them interesting that he puts the faith but not void the, but not void surprising surprising weird he yeah. also mentions non-hardcore bands he likes Passport Alan Holdsworth and Happy the Man I don't know what that we is. listened to Passport we did and it's like what jazz. is this? it's instrumental jazz fusion Oh, it sounds like Herbie Hancock without yeah. singing. And to, uh, to that point, I, a weird yeah, choice. I found in 1991, Thrasher interviewed Pusshead and asked his like 15 Desert Island records. This is interesting. Number one, Genesis, Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. Number two, Passport, Infinity Machine. By the way, look at the album cover for the album Infinity Machine. It's incredible. By Passport? Yeah, it looks like a CD-ROM from like 1998. Um, that sounds great. Uh, number three, the Mahavishnu Orchestra, Visions of the, uh, the Emerald Beyond. Number four, Black Sabbath Sabotage. That makes a little more sense. Number five, It Bites, Once Around the World. Don't know what that is. Six, Alice Cooper, Love It to Death Through Muscle of Love. <laughs> Those are good I got to say, I'm looking at the passport thing. Yeah. This looks like it's like the internet and you exactly like dude some that it, lo- it like a book of that it comes in a bundle <laughs> with the game mist yeah um <laughs> number seven wire one five four eight the mission god's own medicine number eight hawkwind warrior on the edge of time great record 10 tangerine dream ricochet also great 11 triumvirate spartacus don't know what that is. Number twelve, discharge. Never again. So that's a hardcore. Still record. hard. Still got some. Interesting. You picked that one. Um, What's never again? Is that an EP or something? Yes, that's after the Hear Nothing LP. Interesting. Um, number thirteen, Fields of the Nephilim, Dawn Razor. Fourteen, okay. Lenny White, Adventures of the Astral Pilot, and number fifteen, Blue Oyster Cult, Secret Treaties. That is, <laughs> I, which one is that? I don't know. It's not that's no Fire familiar. of Unknown Origin is the burning for you one. Secret Treaties is like after that or something. Yeah. But yeah. uh yeah, those are his non hardcore influences. As we discussed before, every hardcore guy, you know, they listen to something beforehand and I guess probably some of that stuff he might have gotten into afterwards, but wide range of influences and in septic death, you, I will say, not a band that's as well known as the Bad Brains or Minor Threats of the World, but 
really doesn't sound like anything else and but at the same time isn't just one of those bands where you hear them and you're like this band's crazy sounding but i don't remember any of the songs and i'm only going to listen to it once they they are a band you can listen to and will want to listen to again they have catchy parts they have breakdowns his vocals are he sounds like a fucking maniac sounds similar to uh beavis yes very much so um almost identical I am now enraptured by looking Passport? at second at Passport album covers because what's all really like cool, them, what's right? kind of cool about them is that they're all like the for like at least the stuff in the early in the early seventies early mid seventies it's all pretty much the same layout. It's got Passport on top in green, and then the name of the cover, the name of the album, and then a bizarre image in the middle. Good to be consistent like that. It's very cool. I, yeah. I love a consistent. They are, I mean, yeah, well, yeah. they're German, I guess, I think. I think so. Yeah, uh, they're German. Man's the Bastard. Sure. Doesn't surprise me. Very insanely consistent. Like Ramones are kind of like that. Ramones, yeah. Uh, one so, of, interesting. I might, I might have yeah. to get into this band. Yeah, I can see you liking that stuff. Uh, last thing I was going to mention on Septic Death, personally, was uh, one thing that struck me as a younger uh, youth getting into hardcore is not a lot of pictures of them, but in all the ones I saw, they looked fucking insane. Pusshead has, like, a charge, like, his hair's spiked, and but they were all wearing, like, their clothes were all bleached like skinheads used to do in England, but they did it to their shirts, too. It was almost psychedelic looking. It looked, like, just very overwhelming, like jackson pollock punks look and i read an old fanzine interview where somebody asked them about that because they were like you guys look crazy on stage and now you, you don't and when you're, i'm interviewing you and Pusshead and i believe the guitar player said that like that look on stage was something they sat down and decided on and did for when they got on stage he likened it to what the misfits did and i think that's cool i you know i people i don't think there's anything wrong with not having a look but i don't think there's anything wrong with having a look either and given that visual art was such a crucial part of this band, doesn't surprise me. I mean, Pusshead, one of the reasons I like him as an artist is he did all these different things, but there's like an aesthetic and a vibe that connects all of it. And I'm not surprised he would include his fucking genes in that too. Yeah. Because that's what sense. an artist does, you know? Yeah, every everything is part of the art, you know? Everything's Everything connected. Extension. Everything's connected because it all comes from... Uh, Every, every, all your art should kind of be rooted in a thesis, and uh, I think that sort of learning that about how they dressed sort of drove that home for me. Oi! <laughs> Hope I didn't scare you there. It's me, your host, Tyler Hammer, here to talk to you about one of our sponsors, Syrup Head Recordings. Based in Long Island, Syrup Head has been pumping out sick, twisted tunes for your little ears for the last, I don't know, six, seven, eight, nine years. He's got other, he's had another label, but we're talking about certain bed recordings right now. And right, actually, as we speak, he's got some new tunes for you. That's right. We're talking about the new Sir, uh, Shrivel Up Holy Water Split, which features me and my co-host, Gary U.S. Bombs. Yes, Holy Water, they play it. Also included in this new batch is the disposal unit on carrying cassette. Boy Quill from I'm Ohio. If you like, I don't know, Godflesh, if you like just heavy industrial metal stuff uh, that's just fucking grinding or crush your fucking skull, check that shit out. He's got some new merch as well uh, from Serpent Recordings, and he's got countless other stuff in his distro. You can get stuff from Blame God, shout out to our boys in Blame God. 
He's got new stuff coming out too. Uh, it says right here, uh, coming soon, the Maggot Vomit Afterbirth or Beauty Feeds the Maggots cassette. I gotta tell you, that's one of my favorite gore grind releases from the last few years, you know, in a sea of gore, you know, that, that, that pops up. So go to syruphead.storeenvy.com and pick up a couple things, whether it be the Holy Water Shrivel Ups, but whether it be the disposal unit tape, just go find something. I guarantee you there's going to be something in there for that you will enjoy and, you know, pick up something you never heard of before. Give it a shot. Go to syruphead.storeenvy.com. Tell them the Kings of Punk sent you. Peace. Let's move on to the Pussmore label. Yes, yes. Uh, so as I mentioned earlier, this uh, Pusshead fellow made a lot of friends all around the world and put out a, a bunch of records on his uh, label, Pussmort, which was based out of San Francisco. That was after he moved. I didn't even know that he moved until we uh, sort of, I started researching for this. Uh, obviously, Septic Death Re- Records were on there. One that people probably would have heard of, some of you anyway, is the uh, Cleanse of Bacteria compilations. There was a 7-inch as well as an LP or a, a cassette, actually, mm-hmm. featuring uh, a bunch of different bands, some from England, some from Sweden. The Corrosion of Conformity was on it. It's There's some crazy records on Postmort. He had the Power from Hell by Onslaught. Yep, yep. Early uh, like metal punk crossover record. Behind the Realms of Madness yep. by Sacrilege. Yep. Crazy. Crazy record. Part one, which is like a goth band. Christ on Parade. Uh, mm-hmm. Here's one. Here's one featuring two bands on the, on the list, not the record. Execute and Inferno. Yep. So oh, like yeah. Inferno a, a lot. Big fan of that Inferno. Another band. one. Kings of Punk. Poison Idea. Hey. Absolutely. A- Attitude Adjustment, American Paranoia. Final Conflict, Final another Conflict, one who's Ash also on the March Mayhem. Yeah, he... Uh, Chaos yeah. UK Extreme Noise Terror split. Wow. Yeah, he would. that might have come out on another label, too, because he would do like yeah. American versions oh. of things and limited releases and you name it. Here's a weird one. Okay. Record by the band Tad. Tad. The grunge band. Oh, Tad. Yeah. That fat That fuck. That fucking hog. He, uh, he, I think describing him as an influencer is accurate because he, his taste was pretty, not totally unique, but for the time it, he would write columns, which we'll get to in a second, where he would be talking about hardcore bands and then talking about like Slayer or Metallica and then talking about bands in the UK that were sort of doing early crossover stuff, whether it's Onslaught or Concrete Socks or whatever. And he would talk about all these bands not like how a shitty music critic does where he's like, this is this genre. It sounds like this. This sounds like that. There's no like band to band comparisons. He uses actual language to describe what it actually sounds like. And I could imagine, I don't have to imagine. I had the experience of reading it and having heard those records or listening to them and hearing like, you know what? The things that he's pointing to on each of them are there. It's there in Metallica and it's yeah. there in fucking Discharge or whatever. And sort of being able to see those connections by separating it away from the aesthetics and the scene it came from, I think is like an important sort of uh, code that he cracked and conveyed in these columns. Um, if you want to get an idea of what's on Pussmort, and which again is sort of guided by his own taste, because it was all these people he reached out to because he liked their music. I'm going to read short segment from his Puss Zone column uh, in Thrasher Magazine, which we can talk about in a second. This is from the very first installment in 1984. 
Quote, Rabble-rousing rhythms of spontaneous attention fire electrical mind messages and floating musical notes. Words attack the senses with commanding authority as the vocal invasion escalates with manifesting ventures. Hear the voices. Is it escape or reality as the noise charges forth with compelling control? In the pus zone, there is no escape from actuality. Feel the vibrations and absorb the thoughts of mental concern. Here, I got a, I got a little review. We're gonna. I, I have a, a 16 reviews that we're going to talk. We're going to go over the pus zone list. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to read a couple of reviews from some of those records that we're going to be it was discussing. For, yeah, for those but who don't is, know, in 1990 when the column ended, he made like a top 100 of his favorite records. And so that is some of those. That is, uh, if you don't know at this point still, we are going through all of those records in March, going through a tournament style bracket. But um, here's from Sam Hain, or Sawain, as some people say, November Coming Fire. This is on Maximum Rock and Roll. He wrote for them. The horror continues, and in a fine way, as Sawain's third release really paves the way for this unique, harmonious outfit of creeping pleasure. Danzig vocals are in fine form, and there is a slight misfits aura here. The pace is even good tempos, and sing-alongs ever-present. This disc really grows on you. You know, I, th- I, I it's short, it's sweet. Makes me want to listen to second uh, Samhain. Yeah, I mean Samhain isn't like a Samhain. metallic like speedcore as which speedcore meant something else later on. But in all these yes. pushead columns, he keeps calling like the English dog speedcore. He's, he's not he, talking about techno. And no, this is, no. This is before. This is like the the mid late eighties and like the early nineties has like some of my favorite like turns of phrase for like bands like a speedcore. Yes, <laughs> calling like deathcore. Yeah, deathcore, thrash. Just calling bands thrash, like a like a punk band. Yeah, like a yeah. Thr- hardcore he does, thrash. He does that a lot. Yeah, but it's like yeah, it's like talking about youth of today. Yes, exactly. Um, or like dead Kennedys or something. Yeah, it just meant like fast for yeah. the most part. I mean, uh, it, it's a more accurate description. It means it feels like you're being thrashed around when you're listening to it. So and. I, I I appreciate the uh, this that time where everything isn't so hyper specified and also, you know, people having to nowadays are so like, uh, I'm I'm this is this I'm gonna I'm gonna start a band and it's gonna sound like this specific thing. It's gonna sound like Connecticut hardcore from 1985. Yeah, it's gonna exactly. be like that ice cream with the three flavors in it. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, it's you know because I was thinking about with. Uh, we're kind of I'm made a flyer for a show Loose Engine Real Life is playing, and I was like trying to come up with something for HR because we had practice the other day, and we're like we're not really a power violence band, we're not really a grindcore band either anymore, and like well it's like well what it's do you we, speed rock speed well we came up with on the flyer Maverick Hardcore, and uh, <laughs> it's a weird way to say it I but I mean I you came. Uh, also, this Jake came up with I'm it. Being a dick, sorry. Um, are, I like it. We are Dallas Mavericks fans. We're the that's right. we, are, we are Mavericks fans. You we're want Mavericks. a worse one? That's also what the press it's called me. John McCain. It's me, John. McCain. Oh right, I'm, he I'm he was a real you. Maverick. That guy. I'm here to tell you, folks. Hallucination realized they're real humdingers. If you ask me, when I got <laughs> shot down in Vietnam, uh, or was it Korea? I think it was, I can't it was even Nam. remember. It was Nam, yeah. It was awful, but I had those tunes stuck in my head 
whirling around my head. I had the Enola Gay tracks from the from the cleanser bacteria comp whirling uh, in my head. Whirling in my head and brain. Yeah, I like the bands that the hardcore bands that don't play power violence. <laughs> <laughs> I like the hardcore I like bands the hard, that I like the bands that don't have feather blasters. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they gotta have real strong big wrists. Big hands and big wrists. And they they, they tell me uh, Joe, they got these, these things called triggers. You can play as fast as you can. Man, you, you can gotta, play as fast as you want, man. Worry. You don't got to worry about how hard you hit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was going to say the Sawing one is making me think about like, because uh, Plushmore put out that part one record, like I said, that's like a goth band from the UK. And I do think his uh, the aesthetics he was fascinated with, the sort of horror movie stuff, absolutely like, he, it would affect how he heard these bands and would make him be more likely to like them. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's no. the nature of, uh, especially in the pre-digital age, actually buying a record, you're looking at what it looks like and it's going to frame it a certain way. Um, uh, yeah, the Pussmore stuff's all really good. The Attitude Adjustment record's on there too. That's like an early crossover record. Mm-hmm. And again, that was in uh, when he was in San Francisco where, I, again, I found an old fanzine interview where he talks about meeting Carrie King going to see Metallica and Slayer and, you know, given his way that he perceived music, not really being bothered by them being long hairs or whatever and just hearing how powerful the music was and how it, you know, it was an electrical mind message or whatever, however he parses things. Another surprising thing I learned after having read his columns and seen his crazy art and heard his crazy music, this dude was straight edge as fuck. Like, I found a fanzine interview where he said that he didn't drink caffeine. Damn. That's pretty. That's pretty almost, hard line. Almost hard line. Yeah. Almost hate yes. edge. Almost hate. Yeah. Almost hate. Hate edge. He did do art along those lines too, though. He there was, he drew straight edge stuff. He drew. There's some zine called Straight Edge magazine that he like drew and wrote for. Well, if you'll also notice on the Puss on Top 100 list, a uh, whole bunch of straight edge bands. Yeah. Uh, records on there. Yes. Yeah, some yeah. some missing that surprised me. I expected to see. Our judge might have been 1990, but like. No, they was that was 89. How about no yeah, uniform sure. choice? No uniform choice. No was youth surprising. of today. No youth of today is very surprising, and uh, yeah, there's some no like, bringing it down. There's some definitely. I don't want to say glaring um, mistakes or missteps or uh, choices not being there. I don't know. How, I don't know. How I'm saying these words. O- omission. Omission. Word you're looking for. Um, but there's definitely some stuff where it's like, oh, really? You choose that record over like this record? But I don't know. Again, it's it's an issue. Interesting. Uh, list the top 100 uh, of the 80s and I'm even thinking like okay let's here to preface the question to you fellas could you do like a top 100 of the 2010s 100 yeah of the 2010s yeah, of the no. 2010s when we were likely are the most active like in terms of like around the times when he was like his age that makes sense i could i mean dude i i could maybe get to like 30 to get to 50 i would probably have to like find i would have to listen to a bunch of stuff that i wasn't paying attention to and mm-hmm. find things that were good um if you went back to yeah but that's that actually would be over that's not interesting i think that makes sense i think it depends on how how involved you were you know yeah i mean i could get a good number it would be all over the place but it, it would not be I mean, 100 is a lot of records, man. I mean, there was a lot of good stuff back then. And I do think his choices are probably colored by, not in an nepotistic way, but like who he knew and like, because then you have a special connection to those records, you mm-hmm. know? And when you heard them and that that kind of thing, 
But uh, yeah, Plushmore Records, great. Check it out, all their samplers and stuff. Cleanse the Bacteria. Definitely, yet. the very least, if you listen to anything from Plushmore, I would say you listen to Cleanse the Bacteria. Yeah. Just a really sick fucking comp. And like, the thing is, like, a lot of kids who are into hardcore in the USA, like, they wouldn't know who the fuck Ankut Aglisi from Norway was. Like, it must have been wild. It's crazy that he even got in touch with these or people even successfully. Hear, yeah, like, the execute. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, it's like, who, who in America in the fucking mid-80s? I would say, like, and I guess this is going on before we move on to the art stuff. He, like, he with I guess we could talk about maybe a little bit about his writing. He wrote a shit ton about, like, Japanese hardcore, too, especially. Yeah. I was reading some of, through all the MRR reviews he did, and he re- he wrote a bunch of Japanese hardcore record, uh, record reviews. And I think, I don't want to give it up to him. I think everyone would still be interested in Japanese hardcore, but, like, I think he is probably one of the more important people in terms of, like, getting that kind of like n- not even as japanese but like foreign hardcore to like people in america yeah like, for sure he would promote tours too like when upright citizens from germany came here he'd talk about it in mrr and mrr right. was really important back then and it was yeah. it's like him and like prank records in terms of like for japanese hardcore because prank records did the first um like japanese tour i believe it was i think it was asked for it was either Asphalt or Gauze, and then it was, like, Gauze and Asphalt, I think, like, did a tour. But they did, like, they were one of the, Gauze was one of the first, like, Japanese bands, I think, ever to tour the U.S. Yeah, they went to the U.K., too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, in, like, 89 or something like that, right? Uh, dude, I swear it was before that. It was, like, 87. Oh, really? Wow. Could be. Don't quote me on that. It was late 80s, though. Well, it was know, not the would, 90s. That would make sense because I believe in 90, Extreme Noise Terror toured Japan. So I think they probably it was definitely before ninety. They met they met Gauze, hung out with them. They were probably like, Hell yeah, you guys are awesome and they think, Yeah, you guys are awesome too. We should you guys should come over here and night yeah. the next year. Plus Ed was also like distributing and writing about in these columns a lot of the early like proto grindcore slash crust bands in the UK we've talked about a little bit. Concrete socks we mentioned, the Heresy Never Heresy. Healed EP was yeah, distributed well, I was, by Plus Mort. That's not on the fucking list. Like he wrote about he wrote about that record. Like weird. Yeah. It's Yeah, uh, that that is a very notable omission. Yeah. Yeah, not a lot of like that not a lot of that faster like UK stuff. That was surprising. No Amoebix. I mean Amoebix isn't faster, but still. I mean no Another kind of maybe weird, no napalm death. I thought that oh. too. Yeah, that's shocking. Yeah. I don't. I don't maybe, understand. Maybe he. Maybe that was too heavy for him. Like you know, maybe he was like, "Oh, that's death metal." Oh, it's like diff- that's not hard. Diff- oh. I'd be curious if he revisited the list now. He. W- I don't think he would do that. But how much would he stand by? Because it was 1990, like to cap off the 80s and to end the Puss Zone column in Thrasher, which ran for. Years, I think from like '84 onwards, he put out the Thrasher skate rock comps on that label too, um, and that was I don't I don't know maybe maybe he was looking at it like we're closing the book on hardcore, so I want to focus on that. Yeah. Whereas like because he liked like early New York hardcore too. I mean, sick of it all is on there. Chromags are on there way later, but maybe he wanted to sort of be like all this stuff that got me where I am today. All this like early hardcore punk. I want to kind of focus on that because mm-hmm. this other stuff still has some life in it. The minor threat shit is like we're closing the book on that. It's all it's over. Um, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Like they're uh, yeah, like those guys have moved on and are arguably maybe more successful with yeah those projects after 
Um, I can't wait till Minor Threat reforms. There's a reunion tour. In or in twenty thirty one when they're when they're all fucking geriatrics. So I I have a uh, another little segment from Maximum Rock and Roll that I think will segue us nicely to the uh, visual art portion Mm -hmm. of and then we'll proceedings. Cap it off with the big old list. Yeah. Quote. This is from uh, the his. 15th column for Maximum Rock and Roll from 1984. Quote, Now on a completely different note, I get lots of letters asking what's being done about the exploited mess. First, I've been in contact with Marcus Featherby of Pax Records, who says he will reimburse me for damages done. That's Marcus, not the exploited. Gary Bushel and Savage Pencil did a write-up in sounds on the exploited's ripoff of Pusshead, and it was well-written and truthful. The following week, Waddy wrote a rebuttal which stated it was not intentional and I should contact Marcus for payment. Then why does Waddy threaten Marcus at his home and tell him no such money should be paid? And why does Waddy sell the rights to the exploited's LP to bootleggers without Marcus's consent? So that brings us to why did Marcus trust Waddy in the first place since Waddy completely turned around and burned Marcus. Marcus Weatherby and Pax Records is a highly respectable operation, not a multi-profit scam, and because of what Waddy did to them, the label has folded. So now the exploited are touring the U.S. And how many people said no way to the ripoff artists? And how many people said yes to the profit off all the punks? You be the judge. Did you see the ticket prices? Did, do you know their contractual agreements? How many of you are being fooled? Exploited had a show in San Francisco but didn't even play, even though they were there and got paid. They tried to start a riot with the brainless punks who idiotically follow them. And on my part, the saddest thing is the exploited are using my art for their tour flyers. And for the gigantic banner they're using as a backdrop on this tour. Isn't this all fun? Someday, those of you who support types like this will all blow up instead of grow up because you gave fools the power they never should have had. Thanks to Hugo and Brad for putting their foot down. Hey, Jake Razor here from the Kings of Punk podcast, as you know. And I'm sure you've heard us talk before about Shirley Road Records, our good friend and sponsor. But today, I wanted to mention a particular upcoming release of theirs that's now available for pre-order. It's going to be released on March 4th, and I'm talking, if you didn't know, about the Emetic demo. It's remastered, remixed, and it's getting reissued on a top-notch cassette and or CD release, whichever you prefer. Emetic was the first musical venture of uh, one of our fan favorite guests, Trevor Payson of Pink Mass, Scuzz, you may remember him from our Anal Cunt episode. Uh, I gave it a listen, and it's fucking great. It's like kind of uncanny caveman hardcore. Uh, very menacing, and I'm real excited about it. So get that pre-order in. Go to ShirleyRoadRecords.com and give at ShirleyRoadRecords on Instagram a follow. And if you order that or anything else, you can use promo code COPPOD10 for a 10% discount. If a medic's not your bag, he's got a lot of other stuff, including uh, distro items from To Live a Lie, Horror, Gore, Pain, Death, No Time Records, and many more. Again... Real fired up about this one, and uh, I think a lot of our audience will be too, so check out Shirley Road Records. Shout out to Savage Pencil. Dude, I'm thinking about the name Marcus Weatherby and how British sounding that is. Marcus um, Weatherby. Uh, Waddy, for his part, responded on the Live at the White House LP, where he dedicates every song to people he doesn't like. He, he's like, this one's for Pusshead. It's called Wankers. Pusshead, you're a wanker. Um... So he was calling him Pusshead. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Pusshead supposedly did the artwork for "Let's Start a War," 
Yes, and for those who don't know, dude, there's a huge chance many of you have probably seen it, even if you don't know about it. It is a big old drawing of a skull with a mohawk, and that is a reoccurring theme in Pusshead's artwork is a shitload of skulls. And uh, yeah, I guess exploited. He wasn't. He did a lot of free artwork for people, especially early on. I think his issue, perhaps even more so, was they didn't even credit him. His thing was typically, if you're profiting off of it, I should make some money too. And certainly I should be credited. So he was not happy. I couldn't find the Gary Bushel column, unfortunately. But yeah, he was pissed off about that skull drawing, which isn't even his best one. I think it was something like a, he sent them a first draft and then they just put it on their album cover and their shirts and on backpack patches that you can see little street punk kids wear to this day. Which I think is really, I, I, dude, honestly, if I had to talk about the legacy of Pusshead, I think skulls would be the big thing I would talk about. I think so. I mean, for those that don't know, um, he had a relationship with Vin Metallica. And if you have seen a Metallica shirt, uh, if you've if you've been around the show, you've seen a Metallica shirt that he's done the design for. Uh, his his art style is like really uh, particular. It's really easy to identify. Um, I it's really fucking sick too. Yeah. Um, like pretty detailed, like especially stuff with skulls, like the the skull with the the spiked bat. Spiked that bats, one's great. The fucking killer one. The one where it's a hand with a skull in it. Super detailed pen and ink uh, uh, drawings. I did. I I found some interviews where he talks about his influences. I, he c- cites H.R. Geiger in one, which is what I think most laymen would go to. But most of the shit he talks about is like 30s to 60s comic art. He was very into comic books and also like pulp covers. Talks about okay. Virgil Fenlay, who's a pulp artist, uh, Will Eisner, who's a comic artist, uh, stuff like that. And I think if you look at some of those old pulp drawings, you know, with the de- detectives that are about to get killed and all that kind of shit, you can see that sort of uh, high contrast pen and ink style. And he sort of took that, made it more detailed, made it almost psychedelic looking. Uh, really remarkable artwork, uh, I, I would say. And yeah, the relationship with Metallica was huge. He was like their official. I even found an MTV interview with Pusshead and Kirk Hammett because he was their official merch T-shirt graphic designer yeah. guy, which is a pretty big gig to get. And uh, in the videos, like someone's like to a kid, does it matter what's on the shirt? And it's like as long as this is Metallica, I'm getting it. <laughs> and it's like, oh, the hardcore kid originally was the Metallica kid. Absolutely, the, yeah. The hardcore kid that buys all the merch, gets all the variants. That was a Metallica kit first. Metallica started it all. They started it all. <laughs> Here, I'll list some of the, some you know, albums, noteworthy albums that Pusshead did the artwork for. Okay. Uh, he did the artwork for Animosity by Crozier Conformity. Classic album cover. On, on Pussmart as well. Yep. Uh, he did the cover to Raging Violence by Hyrax. Oh, is with that the, the with egg? the egg? I think that's that's the one with the egg. Egg punk, uh, progenitor yeah. pusshead. <laughs> Hyrax, yeah, like a very uh, not very well known, but Hyrax and Pusshead were the good thrash metal band. Yeah, they I'm were, sure he'd love that band. They were on one of those hyper rare flexies he put out with uh, the Eight guys. Yeah, with like uh, yeah, all those. Uh, another one, humanity is the devil. By integrity, he did the artwork. Oh yep. yeah! Speaking I of listened skulls, to that today. Pretty cool artwork too on that one. Yeah, yeah. 
And then a whole bunch, a whole lot of Metallica. I mean, yeah, a lot of Metallica. Yeah, there's a Metallica 7-inch, what, what is it, Look Into My Eyes or something, something about eyes. That, uh, I was Have the like, Beholder? I Have the Beholder, it, the yeah. single with the budgie cover on the B-side. That's that's pretty sick. It's like one eye each from the Metallica guys. Another another funny thing, St. Anger. Yep. He did the cover oh, yes. of that. That's fu- interesting. And Prong as well, another... Hey. Well loved and much respected band on the Kings of Funk podcast. It's our favorite one hardcore bands. Wrong uh, album. Uh, he did "Beg the Differ" and "Prove You Wrong." Hmm. Hell yeah! So yeah, definitely a guy who crossed over into the metal scene. I would assume through the connections he made through Metallica is how he ended up designing like Nike SBs and rare collectible toys and stuff. I do know he's a toy collector; has been for a long time. Collected uh, the interview I read was like a fanzine from 90, 1990 maybe. He's talking about collecting Quisp merchandise, which is like a cereal they stopped making in eighties or something. He is like the archetypal like modern like twenty nine year old. I think nowadays, like I think of someone like our our friend Gray, because Gray collects a lot of shit and is into a lot of different stuff. Likes hardcore, also likes a lot of different other stuff, you know, into, like, fashion to a degree, I guess, you know, collects streetwear stuff, collects boomboxes, and it's, like, yeah, very, you know, makes music. I, I would say someone, a puss head is a similar, on the similar level that he, that he is on. Well, yeah, he has an aesthetic he likes, and he sort of grabs everything that's along those lines. And yeah. that, is a, that is a compliment, Gray. You know? I will say you got me thinking about it now. Um, Pusshead Funko Pop, I could maybe forgive. Absolutely. Um, I would I'd fucking probably buy probably it. Probably buy it. That being said, I've seen the question posed on social media because all the celebrities are promoting them now. Which celebrity would really disappoint you if they did an NFT? And I think if Pusshead did an NFT... Yeah. I might do something drastic. I'd be bummed. I'd be pretty fucking bummed. Not as bummed as I just found out that he did the cover for a Queen Strike single. Oh! Yeah. Is that band bad? I don't remember. When I listened to him, I thought they were good. <laughs> That's but that the was... band that does Silent Lucidity. And, uh, Silent Lucidity. Stupid fox. Back when I was listening to a lot of stupid bad metal bands, I thought they were okay, but they probably I mean, they're, not. They're fine. Classic bad metal band. Classic, yeah. you know. Yeah, metal band from the late '80s, power metal. I guess you would say almost to a degree. Proto yeah. proto power metal. Like yeah, I, th- I think that's. But it's like also like maybe kind of proggy too. Prog, a little bit of it's glam in the sense yeah. of its uh, you know theatrical. Yeah, like very like kind of soft, kind of yeah. soft. So, but yeah, the skull thing. You know, I had never really thought about it until I read like an older fanzine interview with Pusshead where he talks about it and how like in the early '80s, skulls were associated with really two things, the Grateful Dead and bikers. And I think the association with of that like skulls with punk bands and especially metal bands, I don't think that would have happened if it wasn't for this artist. I mean, I don't think you get even like the Avenged Sevenfold logo without this dude. Or or Danzig. Danzig fucking that one autopsy record from later on i mean there's a, a million of of fucking records with skulls you've seen a, a shitload of them before and uh that's really came yeah. from this dude but i don't think anybody ever really did it better than he did no his skulls are fucking are fucking killer did he do the who did the mdc skull artwork i didn't know no. that they oh had like that. the tank yeah the tank with the skull 
I don't think that wasn't him. That wasn't that him, wasn't but him. but uh, surely it was could have been inspired. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a million fucking things like that. There's the Anthrax records, fucking uh, Abigail. The, I mean, you you name it. I mean, you've all seen records with Candle skulls on mass. them. Candle mass, yeah. for Candle sure. Mass. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's I think a big innovation of his, and uh, you know, it sounds like a silly thing, but I don't know these motifs. He's working, show up everywhere, and he's and, working for Big Skull. He's working for Big Skull. His yeah. favorite Misfits song. Skull Must have been, yeah. Uh, yeah. He said it was, uh, it's because he wanted to sort of show the most, like, deepest part of a person. And I guess that's a physical way to do that. He drew other shit, too, though. There's a BYO artwork where it's like a bunch of skinheads moshing, and that's like a classic piece of artwork. Lots yeah. lots of good stuff. Let's move on to this this big old list, I think, here. Yeah. Top 100 records of the 80s, the unofficial list from Puss Zone. It's it's a it's a lot and this is having to go through this has been fun and interesting. Um it, it, as you're listening to this, I don't know, we should have unveiled the, the magic. We have pre-recorded some episodes. Um merely because uh we we had to. It's just there's so much fucking Oh, there's a fucking lot of shit to listen to. So, so these are his top 100 favorite records. And I will um, let you know when I... Uh, so I'm going to read... Uh, when we get to a couple of them, I'm going to read a couple reviews that he did. Okay, specifically. cool. But yeah, keep... Uh, you go ahead. What What's number one? Okay, so number one is the Discharge Fightback 7-inch EP from the UK, 1980. Number two, SSD Control Get It Away 12-inch EP from... USA, 1983. Boston hardcore band. Boston. Straight edge band. Straight edge. Very straight edge. Number three, the Subhumans, the UK one, not the Canadian one. Uh, Demolition War, 7-inch EP from England, 1981. Number four, Minor Threat, Filler, 7-inch EP, USA, 1981. Now, here, here's he didn't review Filler. He reviewed Out of Step. Okay. I haven't heard this one. I'm curious. Exploding Turbulence thrust forth eight new Minor Threat proficient arrangements uh, it's just his writing is a doozy of a sentence his writing's really funny it, it's not terrible but it is like it is sounds like a very young person trying to yeah. be very verbose and trying to avoid band-to-band comparisons oh, which is, is good but it, go on it gets better increase the velocity of the first two powerful releases step brian up to second guitar add new bassist steve and still more potent lyrical blitzes and this 12 inches non-hesitant progression outbursts into the blazingly blazing best discord yet. Don't miss. I will say as silly as the writing kind of is, trying to write a review of a record without saying it sounds like this other band yeah. is really hard and you inevitably end up writing kind of like that. But but seriously, like li- like listening to you read that was just like, how was this dude not on drugs? I know. It's crazy. Yeah, right. I think just because he worked so much, dude. Like when you're busy all the time and probably staying up way too late, you go crazy. Fried. You your get brain. Fuck, you get brain fried. You get fucking <laughs> shot. Yeah. So it was number four. Number five. Brad Brains. R O I R. Brad Baines. Brad. Is that what Bain. I said? Brad Baines. <laughs> it was something Brad like it was like Brad Brains. Start a Fight Club. Brad Reputation. Uh, yeah, that's from 1982. You might have heard that album. Uh, number six. The T S O L. Superficial Love. That's not what it's called. I'm just going to read. self He incorrectly <laughs> titles a bunch of things on this list, and yeah. I'm just going to leave it. Um, Superficial Love, 12-inch EP, uh, USA, 1981. 
Number seven, Disorder, Complete Disorder, 7-inch EP, England, 1981. Uh, number eight, Rudimentary Peni, Rudimentary Peni, 7-inch EP, England, 1981. Nine, Jerry's Kids, Is This My World LP, USA, 1983. All right, this is uh, this is from 19, December 1983, Maximum Rock and Roll. An adventure into hyperactive, full-tilt, bulldozing quickness and thundering power. This overwhelming supply of burning rapid-fire speed destroys the mold, exploding into maniac doses of invincible strength and energy. Bolting drums, high-velocity crooning, and hysterically blistering wild guitars, featuring ex-gangrene axman Chris Doherty, Jerry's kids totally shred the eardrums to mincemeat. For the fast fanatics' cravings, the essence of what others will try to duplicate. I will say that's a pretty on-point review of what that record yeah. sounds if like. If I read that in 83, I'd be like, okay, I have to listen. And like, yeah. This sounds fucking awesome. Yeah, that's he's pretty good description. Uh, number 10, Antisect, In Darkness There Is No Choice LP, England, 1983. Number 11, Gizm, Detestation, 12-inch EP, uh, J- Japan, 1983. Ooh, Sorry. I have no idea what label... What? Does it doesn't say what label? I think no, it's none some, of these say what labels. I think that was just on some like weird Japanese label. One yeah, of those Japanese labels. That the only one I know about things. is uh, ADK because they put out a bunch of stuff. Uh, is that the Flexi one? The, yeah, mostly Flexi. With like the guy from the Stalin. Might have been him. I, I know so. they did the Aburadako Flexi. Okay. Um, number twelve, Faith Void Split LP USA 1983. Number thirteen, DYS Brotherhood LP. USA 1983. Here we here we go. I got another another review. Oh, sick. Again, we, as we uh, mentioned, straight ed, uh, DYS straight edge band. Um, good to see a bunch of straight edge bands on this. I think it's interesting that he put them on there. A contagious masterpiece. Department of Youth Services ricochets outrageous doses of full power. Yeah, let me start up. A contagious masterpiece. Department of Youth Services. Ricochet outrageous doses of full horsepower across the cranium. I didn't know that's what DYS stood for. Yeah. Strong instrumentation provides an invincible attack of intense staggering speed, rawness, and momentum. An unrelenting sustained guitar growls and whines as crushing vocals lunge out notes of gashing abrasive melodies. From Boston, Boston, the DYS rate high with the likes of SSD control and negative effects. A shimmering release. It is interesting that he, he, he was straight edge, but he was, like, so into all these, like, cider-swilling bands from the U.K. I feel like that wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't happen nowadays, but it makes sense it did back then. Yeah, because uh, uh, Chaotic Discord's on there. Just, yeah. Well, spe- spe- yeah, speaking of drunk people from uh, Cuck Island, we have number 14, the Cockney Rejects Greatest Hits Volume 1 LP, England, 1981. Number 15, the Flex Your Head Sampler LP... On Discord Records, USA, 1982. Number 16, Sick of It All, Blood, Sweat, and No Tears LP, USA, 1989. I read a later interview with him where he mentioned that one. I think he was really excited about that album. Number 17, The Necru- ne- Necru's, Necros, IQ32, 7-inch EP, USA, 1982. Um, Adolescence, Adolescence LP, USA, 1981. 19, FUs, Kill for Christ, 12-inch EP, USA, 1982. 20, Antidote, Thou Shalt Not Kill, 7-inch EP, USA, 1983. Uh, tw- I wonder, do you think he ever listened to the later Antidote stuff, like the late 80s? I doubt it. I, I 
I bet he did. He was too busy like rocking out to Metallica and yeah, other good music. 21, GBH, Leather, Bristles, Studs, and Acne, 12-inch EP, England, 1981. 22, Channel 3, Manzanar, 12-inch EP, USA, 1981. 23, 4-old 12-inch, Jesus, 4-old 7-inches on a 12-inch compilation LP on Discord, USA, 1984. Got a little, uh, let me uh, write up for that. Here. Yeah, what do we got? <clears throat> this is this is interesting. All for all records, four of those? Uh well, I mean, no, it's just, it's the release. It's oh, the, the actual reissue, one. Okay. I guess. Yeah. It's because all those records came out in, like, what, 81 or something yeah. like that? Yeah. yeah. So you've been crawling up the walls trying to get these classic 7-inch EPs, paying five times the original price for a copy, and now here it is for you all to experience. These are the roots of the original DC sound with the Teen Idols, with Jeff and Ian of Minor Threat, SOA with Henry of Black Flag, Government Issue, and Youth Brigade, not the LA variety, this one had a Burt of 00 Second Wind in their debut EPs. Still classics and should be part of your collection. Yeah, Interesting. It's wild that those records were so hard to find already, but I guess they didn't press very many and they all got more popular than they expected to. That's true. Five times the original price. So they're paying, uh, what, $10? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say, like, that's really funny. For a Teen Idol 7-inch. Or, like, straight up, like, it's like, like oh, <laughs> oh, so you got to pay $15 for that. It's like... Probably yeah, less. Could be uh, worse. Yeah. Uh, 24, This Is Boston, Not L.A., Sampler LP, USA, 1981. 25, Negative Approach, Negative Approach, 7-inch EP, USA, 1982. 26, Poison Idea, Kings of Punk LP, USA, 1986. That's another, that's a Plus Mort release. Plus Mort release? Oh, yeah. 27, Chaotic Discord, Fuck the World, 7-inch EP, England, 1982. Talk about cider swelling. Uh, yeah. yeah. The fucking pe- guys from Vice Squad or their roadies or something. Uh, 28, Scream, Still Screaming LP, USA, 1982. 29, SNFU, and No One Else Wanted to Play LP, Canada, 1984. I got I got a write-up for this yes. one. Because I know I you, read, I read this you one. really yeah. like this yeah. uh, album. Uh, rigorous energy pushing the limits of power with knocking flurry and extreme excitement. One of the best Canadian releases in a long time. This album carries a weight of potent hardcore rhythms with some metallic riffs and overall variety of punk harmonies. Dynamic sing-alongs all combined with forceful vocals and an ensemble delivering well-produced goods. This is a scorcher. It is one of the better Canadian uh, punk releases for my money. Mm -hmm. Um, 30, Farts, Because This this World Fucking Stinks, 7-inch EP, USA, 1981. 31, Impact Unit, Impact Unit, 7-inch EP, USA, 1989, but was recorded earlier. Some of the Impact Unit tracks were on a comp that Septic Death was on as well, called, I think it was called No Brains. Um, 32, Process of Elimination, Sampler EP, uh, 7-inch, USA, 1981, that's on Touch and Go Records. Uh, 33, Anti-Simex, Raped Ass, 7-inch EP, Sweden, 1983, excuse me. Yes. Uh, 34, CIA, God Guts, 7-inch EP, USA, 1983. 35, Youth Brigade, Sound and Fur- Fury LP, USA, 1983. Sound and Ooh, Fury. I, got a, I think I got a, I got a review for yeah, that Yeah, he was friends too. with them. He did art for the Better Youth Organization, which was their little collective. The re-release of this LP, because uh, if you don't know, this came out in 83, but there was another one in 82, and uh, you'll... Uh, the re-release of this LP, since the Stern Brothers weren't too happy with the first and were determined to put out a true quality product, features only four songs off the first, and when these guys do something right, they go all out. 
This totally enjoyable slice of black vinyl is perhaps one of the best records money can buy. Lots of diverse touches, diversified touches, variations and good harmonies from punk rap to hardcore speed and energy, which has all the melodies rumbling in your head. When you get bored of the rest, this performance will still reside on your turntable. Interesting, interesting record. Youth Brigade, yeah, it's a good I one. Think. I got a copy. Uh, 36, Chaos UK, Burning Britain, 7-inch EP, England, 1982. 37, Cause for Alarm, Cause for Alarm, 7-inch EP, USA, 1983. 38, Chrome Eggs, Age of Coral LP, USA, 1987. Wrong date, whatever. 39, The Stalin Political LP, Japan, 1983. 40, Circle Jerks, Group Sex LP, USA, 1980. 41, The English Dogs to the Ends of the Earth, 12-inch EP, England, 1984. 42, Crucifix, Dehumanized LP, uh, USA, 1983. 43, China White, Danger Zone, 12-inch EP, USA, 1981. 44, Battalion of Saints, Fighting Boys, 12-inch EP, USA, 1982. 45, Negative Effects, Negative Effects LP, USA, 1982. Oh, got, uh, got one here. Yes. Even though this is ancient material from a band long gone... And oh, I guess just to clarify, this this review came out in '85. Um, when, I think that might have been that's when the album came out too. Really? The date listed on here is wrong, but it was recorded in '82. Okay, so interesting. Uh, I, yeah, I knew it was early '80s, but yeah. Even though this is ancient material from a band long gone, it is representative of one of Boston's finest outfits at its time, holding the distinct Boston characteristics heard in Gangrene, SSD, DYS, and more. Negative effects packed. Strong musical combustion with hoarse vocal deliveries. Rapid, powerful, and totally enjoyable. NFX is a classic Boston band, but this should have come out at its time before all the duplications arose. That's a good point. Good point. 46, Anti-System, No Laughing Matter LP, England, 1984. It was 85, I think. Uh, 47, Black Flag, Jealous Again, 12-inch EP, USA, 1981. 48, Social Distortion, Playpen, 7-inch EP, USA, 1981. 49, Instigators, No One Listens Anymore, LP, England, 1985. They were on some of the post-more comps as well. 50, Neos, End All Discrimination, 7-inch EP, Canada, 1982. 51, Misfits, Walk Among Us, LP, USA, 1982. I do know around this same time, he, like, uh, Pusshead and Glenn Danzig were friends. There's, like, a, a Thrasher interview with Danzig from, like, Sawane, mid-'80s era that Pusshead did. Uh, you can actually Danzig. listen to the audio of yeah, it, it sounds, online. Yeah, sounds weird. Yeah. 50 it doesn't sound like Danzig. Yeah, he just sounds like a guy from New Jersey. Um, he wasn't in character for the interview. <laughs> no, he he, he let his guard yeah, down. Not enough. All I remember from it, really, I only listened to part of it, but he... It, uh, Puss had to ask him like what would you be doing if you weren't in the Misfits or what did you do before you were in the Misfits yeah. and he says got drunk a lot and I believe him um, fi- Danzig oh, yeah, yeah yeah I think he stopped drinking got after that got drunk a lot because uh, he had a purpose in life he needed to be evil Elvis which and he I, can't do that if he's been drinking well yeah because yeah. regular Elvis was so fucked up all the time evil then, Elvis would have to be sober that's true and then he saw the passing of the king you know, in real time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. We got 52 shit liquors, cracked cop skulls, 7-inch EP, Sweden, 1982. 53, Tervit Cadet, Jolu, 7-inch EP, Finland, 1982. Uh, 
Tim's favorite, number 54, prong force-fed LP, USA 1987. <laughs> that's so high on the list. That's <laughs> yeah, crazy. Like almost near the halfway mark, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, I I don't know why you, why you hate them hey, so much. like them a lot. It is good, but it's just weird to see it here. And it's weird that it's there and Metallica isn't. I, you know. Yeah, right. It's just, well, just because it's like the guy who's like who replaced John Christ in Danzig. Well, no, because like Prong's like a metal band. Prong is like a groove metal band. At this point, they weren't though. At they were like they a weren't. crossover thrash yeah, band. It's just even if he was gonna put a thrash metal LP, it's just an odd. It's a funny pick. Yeah, so he could have put Dark Angel if he wanted. Yeah, to. yeah, right. Fifty-five. The Auto Many Question Poison Answer Seven Inch EP Japan Nineteen Eighty Three. Fifty-six. The Fix Jan's Room Seven Inch EP uh, USA Nineteen Eighty One. Fifty-seven. The Insane Politics Seven Inch EP Canada Nineteen Eighty One. Uh, 58, DOA, The Prisoner, 7-inch EP, Canada, 1980. Wait, wait, The Insane is not from Canada. Yeah, The Insane is from England. They're from the They UK. are from England. That is, I think, a misprint on this website. Excuse oh, wow. me, yeah. Um, wow. I, I don't think it said that in the Plus Zone uh, piece, but perhaps it did. I don't have that issue with Thrasher. If you do, let us know if there, all these typos are in there. Uh, 59, Bad Religion, How Could Hell Be Any Worse, LP, USA, 1981. A lot of these dates are wrong. I don't. I have to wonder yeah. if this is the website or if it is. Uh, no, I think it's probably just like. Uh, I think it's just because uh, they had the janitor doing the, this task on the website <laughs> that day. Oh, I'm gonna find out what uh, 1981. I gosh. There, yeah, they're like, hey, janitor, the uh, guy geez. couldn't come in to file the albums by the proper year. Can you do it? This is 1982. They didn't have discogs back then. You know, it's 82. I think it's probably and came out in 81. Probably. I think it came on the tour. Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, that's okay. Everybody who isn't a huge dork stopped listening to this yes. list, so they're not going to get mad at us. <laughs> they must really love they us. They love for us. This. Uh, number 60, The Agnostic Front, United Blood 7-inch EP, USA 1983. 61, The Meat Men, Blood Sausage 7-inch EP, USA 1982. I learned doing my research, he drew mm-hmm. that cover, which is interesting because it huh. doesn't look like his other stuff. Which cover? The blood sausage. The blood sausage one. Really? It's, yeah, that does not. Yeah. I saw it mentioned. It's like, it looks like almost like a, almost like, like a, a photograph. picture. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. I think I don't know. He mentioned it in a fanzine interview. I don't know what's up with that. Perhaps, and I didn't see anything about this. Couldn't find anything about Tosca, it. Have you asked him like for something specific? Y- that or there's an alternate cover that we don't know about, hmm. which okay. I wouldn't totally rule out. Um, number 62, the gauze fuckheads, 12 inch EP from Japan, 1983. Now I don't have the, unfortunately he didn't review fuckheads, but he did review equalizing distort, which came out a few years later. Raw edge, straightforward thrash with gravel laden vocals, continuing the excitement on the second LP. Japan's answer to nonstop chaotic destruction, finely tuned and well mixed with great backup choruses, throwing chunks of havoc everywhere. The first LP was good. This is a great one. It melts my brain at every listen. So, uh, number 63, Skeptics, So the Youth LP, England, 1983. Just listen to that today. It's fucking great. Uh, 64, The Seven Seconds Committed for Life, 7-inch EP, USA, 1983. I believe, just another side note, I think, I don't know if he did art for them, but if you look at pictures of Septic Death, there's somewhere they have the the paint under their eyes like uh, seven seconds oh, really? used to okay. do. I have to wonder if that's some uh, small town. Uh, what part of the country are those places called? Nevada. 
and Idaho. Is that the Midwest still? Yeah, it's still technically. I would say that's West Coast. Though. Idaho? No, that's like Pacific Northwest. Oh, okay. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, so yeah. I think that might have been some of that influence migrating from seven seconds with the makeup um, or uh, like sense. face paint, rather. Um, 65, Verrucker's, Verrucker's 7-inch EP, England, 1981, 66, Confuse, Nuclear Addicts, Flexi, 7-inch EP, Japan, 1984. I got, I got a review for that. Oh, sick. I haven't read that one. A Lethal Brain Bomb, Pack the fear, Ferocious Chaotic Attack of Chaos UK and Disorder, and Plunge it headlong into the grinding speed core, speed core of Gizm, and you have Confuse. See, that's interesting because, like you said, you said he doesn't normally mention other bands. Yeah, but yeah, sometimes. Sometimes he does. I think what he just said there is perfect. Yeah. Uh, Hungry Havoc runs amok with fast drumming and raw gr- grinding guitar action. Helps this explode into an onslaught of rapid-fire blitzkriegs. A brutal hammering that is intense and great. 67, Abused Loud and Clear 7-inch EP, USA 1982. 68, Adrenaline OD, Wacky Hijinks of Adrenaline OD LP, USA 1984. 69, BGK, Jones, Hound, Aloha, LP, Holland, 1984. 70, Straight Ahead, Breakaway, 12-inch EP, USA, 1987. 71, Abrasive Wheels, Vicious Circle, 7-inch EP, England, 1981. 72, Deep Wound, Deep Wound, 7-inch EP, USA, 1983. 73, Sore Throat, Acid Rain, 7-inch EP, USA, 1987. That is the uh, Death to Capitalist Hardcore seven inch Yes, on Acid Rain Records. Uh, 74, Ignition, Sinker, 7-inch EP, USA 1987, which that one's actually self-titled. 75, Mass Appeal, Mass Appeal, double LP, Australia 1989. That one's actually called Jazz. Um, Is also, that on the cover? What's yes. A, I was <laughs> going to say, it. also one of the greatest records of our time, by the way, that, that Mass Appeal, that it's classic. Really underrated classic. Yeah, specifically Tyler's favorite ever. Yeah. Of all time, and also like a, another band that I've never heard a non-Australian uh, person uh, talk about. So. It's a red, Which is, it's a know, red flag. Kind of a That's fa- a red flag. Uh, uh, you know, it's a you know a sad sight to see. We hate to see it, folks. Uh, number seventy-six, the Sons of Ishmael, Hayseed Hardcore Seven Inch EP, Canada, nineteen eighty-five. Uh, Seventy-seven, we got another one we, that Puss had drew the artwork for. Some really great artwork from, from him. Uh, the Radis WC Rajata LP. From Finland, 1982. Uh, that title means Water Closet Explodes. Water Closet is a bathroom, and it's a toilet exploding toilet. with fucking skull toilet. guys coming out of it. It's fucking sick. That is funny that, that, that these fans were like, Oh, excuse me, pause. Hey, can you please uh, draw the toilet on hey, the... It's a toilet the exploding. Book. It happened to my friend. The, it's very scary. We saw it. Yeah, we saw you. it happen. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> 78, the hood, 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 hood did that, the head cleaners. Mr. Posshead, can you please put your cheeseburger down one moment to draw the artwork for us? <laughs> oh, man, yeah, they Stop look down the on us. cheeseburgers. So, yeah, another uh, group of people who look down on us, uh, Sweden's head cleaners with the Extreme Punk 7-inch EP from 1981. Very nice. I, I looked it up on Discogs. The record's actually just called... Well, first off, it's not extreme; it's extrem. Yeah, no e at the end. And the title is just extrem p. Like oh, so like maybe like ep, like extrem play. 
Because that, that means extended play, right? I didn't get that. Maybe. Okay, that, that makes cool. sense. Yeah, or it's extreme pussy, extreme right. penis, Pee. extreme yeah. penis, penis. Seventy nine, the corrosion of conformity, eye for an ILP, USA nineteen eighty four, another skull Here. record. Here we go. I got a a classic skull fucking. Uh, logo. logo. One of the most legendary skulls in punk and hardcore. Such a sick skull. Because it's not just a skull. It's, it's got a like skull a with spikes coming out of it and the eyes and like nose. It makes like the biohazard symbol, yeah. right? So yeah. it's like it's like a mwah, chef's kiss of, of skull. Whoever designed that, that is a, a you know, Maybe merchandising. I don't know. Yeah. Wild abrasive power that blares out with growling punches of intensity. Snarling guitar distortion and rapid core changes smacked on crucial crunches of feverish exertion as vocalist Eric rasps out harsh grumbles of throat-bursting ferocity. Fast thrash with raw sonic slaughterings of chaos thrusted with convulsion of strong lyrical stamina. Only a few bands can excite with COC's tough-sounding power, earth-shattering and ear-blasting. So, um... Yeah, and then he ended up uh, signing them to Puss Martin. They did the animosity artwork, which he also drew. Uh, we got number 80, The Final Conflict, Ashes for Ashes, LP, USA, 1987. 81, The Underdog, Underdog, 7-inch EP, USA, 1986. It's another New York hardcore band. I think them and Cro-Mags and uh, Sick of It All are the three that are on here. And The Abuse, too, right? Oh, the Abuse, mm-hmm. yeah, that's earlier, but still, yeah. Puss um, for Alarm? Oh yeah, cause, cause for alarm. alarm as well. Yeah, so there's a I mean, and agnostic front. I mean, they're like, on it too. I mean, like Mosh albums though. Oh, oh. okay, got it. and yeah. leeway. I should have said NYHC. Oh yeah, leeway too. How could I forget? So man, we haven't NYHCLESOGs. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I listened to leeway today. That shit's good. Um, we got eighty two. The stupids, violent nun, seven inch EP, England nineteen eighty five. They were on another one of those ultra limited comp records that he put out. The flaxy, uh, yes. on the yeah. on the review, I won't read the full review. On the review, it's interesting. He he notes like, yeah, this band doesn't sound like anything coming out of the UK right now. They yeah, sound they very they American, don't. I believe. Yeah, uh, that was interesting. Number eighty three, the execute hardcore temptation seven inch EP Japan nineteen eighty three, eighty four the Mollenheads hoax seven inch EP Germany nineteen eighty three, eighty five the Decroitsen Decroitsen LP USA nineteen eighty four. 86, the 76 percent uncertain estimated Monkey Time LP USA 1984, 87, Agent Orange, Your Mother Sucks Cox in Hell 7 inch EP Holland 1983, 88, The Partisans, Police Story 7 inch EP England 1984, 89, Final Warning, Final Warning 7 inch EP USA 1984, 90, Anthrax, Capitalism is Cannibalism 7 inch EP England, not New York City 1983, 91, The Stains, Stains LP USA 1983. 92, Stalag 13, In Control, 12-inch EP, USA, 1984. 93, the LSD, Just Last, 7-inch EP, Japan, 1986. Here we go. Intense shouting, damaging these vocal cords. Ranch out a wailing voice over an extreme beset of its raw, unrelenting guitar buzzing with crackling fury. Yet it break into a few acoustical-type riffs. Then the madness explodes, the members fully delivering a mayhem so true to hardcore. That re is like someone like translated to Japanese and then back to English. You totally, totally. I hope he did. <laughs> a lot of his stuff is kind of like that. Yeah, it kind of does. Yeah, it kind of does sound like that. Number ninety four. We have a band that he talked up a lot in fanzines. 
Uh, we'll, you'll get our opinion on them later, but he also drew the artwork for this album cover, and it is great artwork. No skulls, just a dude's face. Uh, the Inferno, Taldund Watson LP from Germany in 1984. 95, we have the Ultraviolent, uh, Crime for Revenge, 7-inch EP, England 1982. 96, the Mau Maus, Fact of War, 7-inch EP, England 1984. 97, the Accused, Martha Splatterhead, 12-inch EP, USA 1984. 98, Subvert, The Madness Must End, 7-inch EP, USA 1988. 99, The Dead Kennedys, and God We Trust, 12-inch EP, USA 1981. And finally, again, a record I listened to today, Number Leeway, 100. Born to Expire LP, USA 1988. So we will be reviewing and comparing wait, wait. literally all of those. 89. Yeah. Is it? I'm pretty okay. sure that came out in 89. You may be right. Regardless, we will be going over that and reviewing and comparing literally all of those fucking records like next week. Uh, you'll be hearing that. Yeah. So to conclude, I'm going to give sort of some final thoughts on Mr. Pusshead here, and then we can all kind of do that if we want. Um, he's, you know, he's a guy who started in the skateboarding scene went to hardcore and punk and then from that that snowballed for him into metal and then eventually him just kind of being an accomplished artist who designed limited toys he did fucking designs for nike pretty fucking successful guy as far as artists from the underground go and i think the reason he was so and as we've gone over it's super influential i think the reason he was so influential is because he was focused he had a recognizable aesthetic that he wanted. He had consistent motifs and he fucking busted his ass and did a good job with it. And as a result, he was able to not only have the visual influence with the skulls in metal or whatever, but musically as well, really a key force as even Stephen blush in American hardcore says in making like the metal punk crossover happen. I don't mm -hmm. think that happens with it without him. Um, I have a little column from him here that I'm going to pull up but if you guys want to share some of your thoughts you can go right ahead uh, yeah, I, I think uh, with Septic Death you know he brought something different to the crossover hardcore realm the speedcore thrash demon thrash realm that could I say like maybe like a band that Septic Death actually does kind of remind me of is like maybe that were kind of contemporaries yeah. too I think of uh, uh, Yonks. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Especially From, uh, that early stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think so. You know? Interesting. Uh, yeah, Yonks doesn't get enough fucking praise. No, I'm, they I don't. need to listen to them because I haven't They're in a long so time. Good. Swedish band, if you don't know. Um, also look down on uh, Americans. We also love to look down on Americans <laughs> and... Like, their early stuff is, like, more D-beat, fast, like, hardcore stuff. And then they just get, like, super fast. Real weird. And real weird, incorporating uh, dub, reggae elements and, like, like synths and stuff like that. Yeah, it's fucking really interesting. Uh, big influence on Gas Chamber. Um, and, yeah, yeah, good shit. I have a, sort of a last thing maybe we can share our thoughts on. Because okay. I was thinking about how he was able to make a living as an artist and kind of blow up. And how the people would maybe accuse this guy of selling out. I, I wouldn't. But he was asked about that in an issue of Heart Attack from way later on, like in the 2000s. And the guy asks, uh, do you feel for that reason that hardcore shouldn't be afraid to knock heads with the mainstream in terms of promoting itself, distribution, or work towards goals would then 
create its own structure far from the mainstream as possible in terms of distribution of records, promotion, manufacture, etc. Um, I see the relation of hardcore as commenting on mainstream society from an outside perspective, and it cannot exist completely separate from it. Or do you just get songs about the scene and record collectors? Do you agree? So I'm, I don't think I should read Pusset's full response. It's pretty long, but he, he basically, um, I will say man is a little long winded. Yeah. He contradicts himself a bit, but the point I thought was interesting is he, he talks about the laws of supply and demand and the notion of like, if there's a bunch of people who want something from the underground punk or hardcore or whatever, someone will step up to sell it to them. And unfortunately, in some cases, it's people who don't actually give a shit about it and will do things like, you know, what Wadi did and steal artwork and shit like that. And um, the interesting thing he says here is uh, the hardest argument here would have to be that hardcore can't just be a hobby for some people and a real business for others. While each party is pointing figures at each other, accusing them of something that is against the supposed hardcore ethic. And I think that was interesting because... Um, it's kind of like for there to be a real underground scene, it depends on people who do like what he did, where they treat it like a second job or a full-time job mm-hmm. while also like not expecting to make a bunch of profits off of it. It's rare to find people who I will mean, do that. Because if it's just yeah. hobbyists, you don't have a whole lot. And if it's just another product, then who gives a fuck? You, you, there has to be... There is a, a unique uh, in-between for, for hardcore and punk and stuff like that. I was talking with Connor about like the chaos compound and it's like we're talking about like specifically like a diy spot and it's like you got like yeah it's something like that for like me to do something like that is like yeah it would be awesome if i had a diy spot but like i'm just like not the person who would ever do that right right that makes sense like very specific people do very specific things um, and like starting up a DOI spot or having your house have shows at, well, you know, even is a very specific kind of person. And that person can't just be, it, it is in between like a hobby and like a business to a degree. It's, it's not something that you'd really find anywhere else to many other places. Good. If you find success, good for you. If you don't find success, that's good for you, too. Like, I think that's how people have been operating about, like, underground music for the last, like, since it kind of fucking started, I think, for the most part. Yeah, I guess it's just, it's always just a question of honesty. Like, if this guy's thing is that he uh, draws, like, gnarly skulls and is involved in extreme music, then he can go ahead and do that. Um, I think the idea, a big picture, is, like, as long as you aren't, like, selling out or like or stealing from people would or be stealing his point, from which people I agree or like with. changing your art in order to like get to that next point as opposed to like it approaching you approaching it naturally i don't think anyone really has a problem with yeah so yeah if you're not familiar with the many many things we talked about here uh you should go get acquainted because this dude has a huge body of work and he's super important uh do you guys have any other final thoughts i think i've said what i need to say no, I think you guys summed it up pretty good. I agree. So, thank you for listening, everyone. Again, Thanks. stay tuned for our March Mayhem tournament bracket where we will delve into that huge list of records. Go check out some Pusshead art columns and definitely check out the Septic Death records. Uh, thank you to everyone who's reached out to us. Shout out to the sponsors. 
We'll add the ad reads there. At some also, point. check out the records he put out on his on his record label. Too, yeah, there's a bunch of good absolutely. ones on there. You probably yeah. have heard some of them, but yeah, thank you for uh, reminding me of that or th- throwing that in there. Um, also, uh, shout out to t- we posted the video online, but shout out to TKO Records for sending us an awesome care package of Poison Idea reissues and Templars records. It's fucking awesome. Shout out to Mark. Shout out to Cascade big, big Record Pressing. Uh, it's TKO's 25th anniversary this year, so go. They have a ton of really good stuff on their web store. They've been putting out good stuff for a long time, so go check them out. Thanks, Mark, and thanks to everyone who listens and everyone who has gotten in touch with us. Uh, we really appreciate it. So absolutely. See you later. Shout out Gary U.S. Bombs saying bombs away. Fuck!